This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. For those of you who still like to put pen to paper, there's a show for you in St. Louis. We'll tell you more about that. The Special Olympics Missouri State Summer Games coming to Columbia June 2nd through the 4th. We'll have details. And they're expanding the Columbia Farmer's Market. It's voted one of the best in the country, and now you've got a second night to go to. We'll talk with them and find out all the juicy details. Uh, that was a horrible pun. Uh, a professor at Missouri State University reports that women are often the caregivers for aging and ailing relatives, and these adult children also work and care for their own children. She talks with Ashley Bird about why that is still the case and the impact it has. The majority of caregivers, almost two-thirds of caregivers in the United States, um, caregivers for family members, are women. And as a result, they sort of experience these differential impacts of, or, you know, outcomes from providing care to their family members. So, um, <clears throat> you know, as the government moves towards a focus on supporting family caregivers, it's really important to, to focus on women in that conversation. Um, the observations from the interview at Missouri State are mainly um, information that's been published in, you know, nationally representative reports by, you know, the AARP, um, the Rosalind Carter Institute for um, Caregivers, uh, the National Alliance for Caregiving, and things like that. And so you were discussing this uh, in, in a campus publication, and it's also obviously with your work with gerontology, something that's on your radar. Everyone's definitely getting older and we're getting older too. I'm like, my goodness, mm -hmm. you know, I just raised my kids and yeah. now I'm going to raise my parents. <laughs> right. Again. No break at all, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I mean, I think you're right that um, it, it's really hard to be in a room where, you know, nobody knows, this, nobody has experience with this. And I also think one issue with it, you know, is that people don't even, necessarily call themselves caregivers, recognize themselves as caregivers. So they may not even realize, you know, your workplace has a policy where you can do X, Y, Z if you're a caregiver, because they just see it as I'm just taking care of my mom, you know, right. I'm not a caregiver, you know? And so I think that's another part of the strategy is that it needs to be clear what caregiving means and who is a caregiver. Some of the points that you've made are that it 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 disproportionately impacts women, that women mm -hmm. in in general. But we're also seeing in let's say my age group between forty and sixty that all of us are are having to take care of aging parents. It seems so many of us are maybe even more than ever before because of the lifespan mm -hmm. of folks, um, mm -hmm. because of better health. I mean that's that's an observation, a non scientific observation I've made based on all of my friends and family. So we are seeing right. a growth of, of taking care of our elderly parents. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, caregiving, you know, it truly is, I think it's fair to rely sometimes on observation because so many of us are impacted by it. It really is sort of almost a universal experience. Um, and yes, it is because the older adult population is growing at an unprecedented rate and um, it does, it does impact mostly, you know, middle-aged um, people who are caring for their parents. And then in addition, 
there are older adults who are caring for their spouses. And that more often is women because women live longer than men. And so they're usually providing care for their, you know, if they're married to a man, they're providing care to their spouses, you know, as opposed to the reverse. Um, it's more common for women to provide care to their spouse when they're older. And then, of course, you know, people who are middle-aged may also be providing care to a child as well. Um, and so because care often falls on women, um, they sort of experience this role strain of providing care to their children, often working outside of the home, and then providing care to their parents as well, all at the same time. That's what you said in your article, and I do want to remind our folks they are listening to Show Me Today, and we're talking to Dr. Maureen Templeman, who is a professor of gerontology at Missouri State University. Um, we're talking about the role of women in caregiving, uh, especially for older uh, older adults and, and parents. You mentioned that there's it's an unrecognized value that women are mm-hmm. underappreciated and overused. Tell me about that and some of the impacts that you've mentioned. I think I I believe, you know, it's sort of a, a personal opinion that they're underappreciated and overused, but it's also based on the the fact that, so as I mentioned, you know, women are providing more care than men. About two-thirds of caregivers are women. And even more than that are caregivers um, of people who have, even more women are caregivers of people who have dementia, which is um, sort of a high-intensity kind of care that's more likely to um, result in caregiver burden, care, you know, strain, um, more time spent providing care. Um, And so it's estimated that the the economic value of caregivers in the U.S. is about $600 billion a year. And so if women are, let's say, even 60% of that, then that's $360 billion a year, which means that it's about $15,000 a year that a woman provides in unpaid care. And so I think, you know, and, and a lot of times there's no support. So, for example, they may not be able to take paid leave at work. They may not have access to paid leave either due to the fact that they work for, you know, maybe a smaller company that doesn't provide that or because they're not working full time, you know, maybe they're, they're working part time. And so they don't have access to that kind of uh, benefit. It's just sort of result. It's kind of this cascade where women are providing all of this care. And then as they get older, they don't have the same, you know, financial footing that they might have if they didn't have maybe fractured Um, work histories because of the care that they've provided. Um, They might not have as much retirement or savings because of the care that they've provided. So it's not just a, you know, a real-time issue. It's a future issue as well. Right. Dr. Templeman, you're talking about a long-term impact um, on women in doing this. Um, What are some of the solutions as you're studying in in gerontology and studying this? um, What are some of the solutions Mm -hmm. you suggest? And one of my questions connected to that, I've seen quite a few people actually move, relocate to take care of their parents or to take care of of, Mm -hmm. and actually work remotely. And and is that something that has happened that has helped? Absolutely. Yes. So 
probably some of the most useful workplace benefits that a person can have would be either access to paid leave, flexible scheduling available to them, or like you said, having a remote work option so that, you know, as a result, they have more flexibility. Um, Women are less likely to have as many workplace benefits as men. So men are um, much more likely to have, you know, five or more workplace benefits than women. And so a lot of times they have more, a little bit more flexibility um, than women do. And that's even actually more true when they are college educated, that women, you know, have just fewer, less access to these benefits. So that's definitely one route in terms of solutions. Another route that's also related to the workplace is having a supportive supervisor. It's actually, you know, the way that your supervisor, you know, the comfort that you have disclosing caregiver to caregiving to your supervisor and then the reaction of your supervisor is a really important piece to this. And so having trainings for supervisors where they learn more about caregiving, how important it is, and how to support people when they are providing care would be really influential as well. And then, you know, outside of the workplace, you know, national policies that are maybe financial in nature. So, you know, something like being paid for providing care or having an income tax credit, um, things like that would be also very useful Um, And women tend to be more supportive or report that they would find those policies to be more helpful than men. So that sort of highlights the fact that, you know, they they feel like they need them more. Uh, Dr. Templeman, we we talked about this as a solution. Is is this the the still the effects of of women entering the workforce in, in larger numbers in the 60s, 70s, 80s? Uh, Why are women saddled with this more than men? Mm -hmm. It is. I think it's a combination of things, but I think a big part of it is that, you know, because of sort of these outdated views um, that women are responsible for care and that they're going to be at home and available for care more, we just haven't let go of those. And so um, it's just expected. It's just more expected, you know, socially of women to provide the care. And, you know, as a result, Um, women are not recognized that much for providing care because it's expected they don't receive recognition for it. Whereas men who provide care do tend to receive a bit more recognition, you know, and kind of congratulations for such a a job well done um, that women just don't experience. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the type of thing that can kind of work against your psyche a little bit if, um, you know, you you keep doing this sort of thankless job. And of course, they're doing it because they love their family member. But when it detracts in other ways, you know, from their life, just having that recognition is important. Thank you, Dr. Templeman, for being with us on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. AA made all the difference in my life. I noticed that most of the goals I had as a kid were slipping by. I didn't feel like the person I hoped to be. After all those years of drinking, I I really didn't know myself. When I was out there drinking, I was always looking for the next great party to make me feel all right. With AA, I found a better way of life. And I feel good in my everyday life, even without a drink in my hand. Visit AA.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. 
but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, can potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Put a frog in boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Here's Heather with the weather. Well, it's beautiful out there, sunny and 75, almost a little chilly in the shade. Now, let's get a read on the inside of your car. It is hot. You've only been parked a short time, and it's already 99 degrees in there. Let's not leave children in the back seat while running errands. It only takes a few minutes for their body temperatures to rise, and that could be fatal. Cars get hot fast and can be deadly. Never leave a child in a car. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Starting on Wednesday, the Columbia Farmers Market uh, kicks off its uh, second day of the season. I I guess that's the best way to say it. Karina Smith is joining us. Uh, Nice to visit with you again. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Well, uh, the Columbia Farmers Market is year-round, though, right? Correct. Yeah. Saturdays were open summer, winter, um, year-round. That's pretty odd, isn't it? Don't, Don't most of them shut down? Yeah, I think especially for the Midwest, you know, I mean, not a lot grows outside, but <laughs> um, but our, a lot of our vendors have high tunnels and greenhouses, which allow them to to grow beautiful produce year round. So uh, it's it's pretty awesome to see what's still showing up, you know, in January and February um, at the market. But uh, people can start showing up uh, this Wednesday. Uh, when did you start adding the Wednesdays? Uh, so this market we started up last year. Uh, so this is the second year kind of trialing this, this version. We've done weekday markets for years, but, um, but this one's a, a little different and, uh, it was really successful last year. Yeah. Karina Smith joining us from the Columbia Farmers Market. So what's different about it? Tell our listeners. 
So uh, I guess first of all is the hours. Um, it's open from three to seven. So it's, you know, people can can still make it there after they get off work. We haven't ever ha- held a market that's gone that late in the evening. Uh, and then uh, we really kind of focus this market on uh, a place to come and get dinner also. Uh, so a lot of our food trucks are, are selling there. And additionally, on the second and fourth Wednesdays of the month, uh, Parks and Rec has their food truck roundup. So that will be held alongside our market. So there's just even more to, to do while you're shopping with all of our farmers. And you know what I like about this is you go to a farmer's market on Saturday and you grab some stuff. It's like, hey, should we grab this? Oh, nah, okay, we got enough. We got enough. And then sure enough, you're like, ah, you know what? We should have we should have picked that up. Well, <laughs> now you don't have to wait. You can go back right in the middle yeah. of the week. Yeah, that's what's cool about it. So how many vendors will be there on uh, Wednesdays? And then how many do you have on the weekends? Uh, we'll have around 20 uh, this next week. And that'll grow to, I would say, at least 30, if not more, um, as we get a little bit more into, you know, the heart of produce season. Uh, Saturdays are 60 to 70. And uh, that, you know, that market is hopping Saturdays. And that's another kind of perk of Wednesdays. If if the crowds are a little too much for you, um, Wednesdays are aren't quite as packed. So you could still get all the great stuff, but. Um, you don't have to fight the crowds quite as much. Yeah, a little more uh, laid back and chilled. And and you, I don't yeah. want to say it's a, a strict uh, standard that you set, but you do pay attention to the vendors that you allow in, and and you do make sure that they're bringing in quality products. Talk about that. Yeah, so we're a, a producer only farmers market, so everybody has to grow, raise, or make what they sell. Um, and we actually we conduct um, site inspections of of all of our vendors too, just to ensure that 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 is happening. Um, and, and we really focus on the, the agricultural, the, the farm, um, type of vendors. And so we limit the amount of, um, non-farmers that, that can sell at the market. So that's going to be your like baked goods and prepared foods like that. Um, so yeah, our, our focus is, is really just supporting local agriculture and, and everything we can do to get all that great food then to our community. Karina Smith is with the Columbia Farmers Market, which has been around since 1980. And uh, this past year was one of your best years, really successful. And I mean, the popular it's always been popular, but it's it's getting even more popular. Yeah. Yeah. Last year was the, the best year we've ever had on record. And the year before that was the best year we ever had on record. So it's just like every year just keeps breaking records. Um, we've won a lot of national kind of recognition the last couple of years too. So I think that's contributed it. And then the, the ag park and the, the MU healthcare pavilion have, have just been a game changer for, for the organization. Uh, the Columbia Farmers Market was voted number one in Missouri by American Farmland Trust. And then for a couple of years, you've voted number two in the nation. Now, that's impressive. Now, what, what farmers market keeps holding you up? Who keeps beating you out? <laughs> so 2021, we were number one. Oh, okay. Uh, 2022, um, we were number two in, in Overland Park uh, and in Kansas. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's impressive that, I mean, we're keeping it in the Midwest. So, I mean, we certainly know what we're doing here in farm country, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I, the competition itself is like where I, it was, it's, like I said, it was a 
been a game changer for us, but it's really great to see it it kind of recognize all the hard work that the farmers, farmers market operators and just farmers markets are, are doing across the country. Um, so it was, it was really great to see that kind of get put on on the on the national level, um, that that conversation. So, Karina, is there like a a national convention or a, mi- a Midwest regional convention? Do you get with other farmers markets and share ideas or discuss or? Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a, a state association that I, I serve on the board. Uh, so it's the Missouri Farmers Market Association. And we have a conference every year and um, offer a lot of great benefits for uh, farmers market operators. And then there are a couple national ones too, uh, the farmers market coalition and, uh, farmers market pros are, are both, uh, great organizations out there. I bet there's some wild parties there. I bet you cut up that watermelon and, uh, get some, <laughs> <laughs> get some juice flowing in that. Huh? <laughs> it's a great support group. I'll tell you that there's, you know, it's not like there's a lot of, uh, farmers market managers and in, in our communities that we can kind of bounce ideas off or to, to be a therapy or support group for. <laughs> well, a lot of work goes into it. No, no doubt. So the uh, farmers market in Columbia uh, starting up Wednesday, and then how long does it run on uh, Wednesdays? Uh, it'll run through September 27th. Uh, so every Wednesday starting May 24th through September 27th from three to 7 PM. Um, and, the the food truck roundups with parks and rec will be the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. And our food truck vendors and our vendors will be there every week. And then for those people that live outside of the Columbia area, and I would say if you live an hour, even a couple of hours outside of Columbia and you enjoy going to farmer's markets, I mean, make a plan and, and go there on a Saturday. Where are you located in Columbia? So we're in central Columbia. Uh, our address is 1769 West Ash Street. Um, and we're located in, uh, Columbia's agriculture park. And there's this huge pavilion that, that we set up under. Uh, so it's, it's a great space. And we actually were, uh, expanding the pavilion right now. So construction's taking place. Uh, and so that should be done in like July. So really excited to, to have that completed. Where's the uh, where's the furthest uh, person that they've they've come from? Oh man, during the eclipse. Um, oh yeah, we actually did a survey, and um, there were so many people that came to that market. I think there was like someone from Taiwan, maybe. <laughs> um, it was it was so cool to see how many people had traveled to the Columbia area because. You know, it was so great to, it was perfect viewing for the eclipse. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. All right, so Wednesdays, uh, kick it off the Columbia Farmer's Market. If you miss it on the weekend, hit them midweek. Lots of fun. Karina Smith, always great catching up with you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. 
why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No. But you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is Show Me Today. They say if you've ever had the chance to write with a quality pen, you can tell the difference in how it glides across the page. For pen and writing enthusiasts, you can stop by the St. Louis Pen Show coming up in June. Cameron Connor talks to Ann Morgan, the show's director. The St. Louis Pen Show is a group of writing enthusiasts who come together once a year at the Sheraton Hotel at Westport, Sheraton Chalet, 
and Sheraton Westport, shall I, I should say. And um, we have 110 vendors from all over the country. They come from 42 states and Canada. We have people who are representatives of all kinds of, of pen manufacturers all over the world that also come. We have 180 tables, and we have a class uh, class schedule of about 22 classes of on all different kinds of things that do to, that have to do with writing. Uh, this takes place on the 20 from the 22nd to the 25th of June of every year of this year of 2023, but it's that same weekend every year. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. All of the people that are on our board and that are part of the organizing committee are volunteers. And our mission is to, our mission statement is to use any other money after putting on the show to teach adults and children how to read and write in cursive. Okay. Yeah, that, that's an unbelievable practice. And it's cursive itself is such an art form. And unfortunately, because of technology and things of that nature, a lot of it's going away and it's not in schools anymore. So the fact that there's an organization like this that is able to present that, it, it, that's a great thing. And especially when you talk about using that as a vehicle through the pen show itself, it's one thing to write with a pen or to write with a pen in cursive. But when you have one of those fine-tuned pens, so one of those fine-tuned ballpoint pens or any of the other specific pens, it puts you in a whole nother level of being, <laughs> it feels so much better when you're writing. So where did your passion for cursive and also your passion for pens come from? Uh, the passion for pens is my husband's. He's always loved fountain pens, and he's always collected them. And whenever we go on vacation all over the world, we'd seek pen shops and see what they had. And um, so he has a pretty good collection. Uh, I am interested in the, as I have an art degree, and I'm interested in the design of the pens because they are gorgeous, and they, can, they run in price from a dollar big all the way to $25,000, $30,000, uh, we happen to have right here in Missouri a world-famous fountain pen designer. His, he lives here in St. Louis, the suburbs of St. Louis. His name is David Oscarson, and he's been doing this for 22 years. And David's pens are um, collectibles. It would be like a piece of artwork you put on your wall, but people collect them and show them in a showcase. They use them, yes, they use them occasionally, but they are more of a collectible. My husband's pens aren't anywhere near as expensive as David's. David's run on price about 6000 and they're made of sterling silver and gold and cloisonade. Um, I, I like to look at the designs, and I like the inks. I like all the different, there are thousands and thousands of inks and different and different hues and um that's the part that i like about it uh we got involved with this fountain show because um my husband always belonged to a local pen club and they would meet and talk about their pens and exchange ideas and buy and sell and everything and one of the guys said oh i'm going to a pen show we didn't even know it existed didn't know what it was <laughs> and that was about 10 years ago and since then, the local club decided, we decided in 2018 
to form a show here in St. Louis. I see here, so you have 110 vendors that are going to be there, but there's so many different experiences that are going to be offered at the Penn Show this year. Can you go into some of those? We will have classes. We have classes in calligraphy, in cursive writing. We have free classes in cursive writing since that's our mission. Um, we also will have classes on the, the history of pens. We have one class, uh, one gentleman coming from Appleton, Wisconsin, Brian Anderson. He's very well known. His company is very well known around the country. Um, and he is going to give a lecture on uh, for two days in a row on why vintage pens are important and why it's important to to look at the old pens uh, as well as the new modern pens. And um, we have we have a couple of classes that we're working through with the Boy Scouts, where the Boy Scouts can come in and the Girl Scouts and, and earn a badge. We have um, uh, Michael Stahl, who's well-known around the world. He travels all over the world to give classes. On, he's a master penman, and he is going to come and give a talk on how to make your, your handwriting, your signature impressive. We have people, another another person coming in to talk about inks, all the different kinds of inks. And um, then and then some other classes. There's one on Celtic knots. There's another on illuminating um, with writing. So we have a lot going on. Everything is on our website, and it's www.stlpenshow.com. Yeah, absolutely. I saw that you also have an auction in general. Can you can you give me some des- descriptions of what the auction's like? And in your experience so far, <laughs> what's it, you were talking about pens earlier that were twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Is a pen at one of your auctions ever sold for something like that? No, <laughs> no, it has not. <laughs> but we have. Um, it's it's hard to begin an auction when you are a new show mm-hmm. because you have to find people who. Um, have a collection that maybe they are trying to sell because it was their grandfather's collection and they are ready to sell it. They don't want to keep collecting. So you have, and it, and you want to have about 60 to 70 pens in a, in an auction and you want them to be different prices because you want them to be, um, you want younger people who are interested to be able to afford them, but you also want to have some others that that true collectors that come to the shows will be interested in. This year, a pen that our primary pen for the auction is being made by Aurora, and it is worth $2,200, and it's a special edition pen that um, it's it's a prototype pen. And they are getting ready to sell, or they are selling right now, this model. But this pen was one of the first ones. It's an early number, so it's actually worth more. Um, most of the other pens will be worth about 100 to $200 a piece. We're here with the director of the St. Louis Pen Show, Ann Morgan, talking about the event that will be held June 22nd through the 25th here this year. And the overall mission of this event is to help adults and children learn the objects, or I guess learn the art form and the writing method of using cursive. Why is cursive so important? Cursive is, is important for a couple of reasons. It's a way, 
it's one of the major ways and has been throughout history to record history. And it's one of the ways that it helps you remember information when you are sitting in a lecture or or sitting in a meeting. There are lots of studies that have been done that show that if you write in cursive while you're taking notes, and it's better to write than to print because it's faster also, but if you write in cursive, your memory, you remember what you wrote. If you do it on a typewriter, you only remember, or on a computer, you only remember where the keys are on the keyboard. Isn't that interesting? That's highly interesting. But it's really, it's, it's, there have been a lot of different studies done on that. Um, and that's what they've come up with. They also, we are hearing now that there are a lot of universities that are saying they don't want people to bring in electronics into their classroom. They want them to take notes in, in writing, handwriting. Also, a lot of history museums are having a terrible time finding people who can read the old manuscripts because they don't know how to read cursive. Which is a phenomenal opportunity to see a glorious array of pen selections, but also the more important thing, either brush up on your cursive or maybe you're learning to write cursive for the first time here at the St. Louis Pen Show, which will be June 22nd through the 25th. And once again, I want to thank you so much for your time here on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. And for those of you who maybe didn't get to listen to the entire thing of this or want to learn more, make sure to search Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri, wherever you get your podcasts. What I remember most is the loneliness I felt, the separation from other people. At the end, drinking was no fun for me. Since I've started to attend AA meetings, the greatest gift is that I've become reconnected. I'm part of life again. I really like myself, and that's wonderful. AA is a miracle in my life. Visit aa.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit PetsAndPeopleTogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap, and the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? 
Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Back on Show Me Today, the Special Olympics Missouri State Summer Games back in Columbia, uh, second through the fourth. The four featured sports, volleyball, swimming, powerlifting, track and field. Statewide trainer Luke Lamb and SOMO athlete Abby Bax are with Cameron Connor to discuss the games. State Summer Games are the weekend of June 2nd through the 4th this year, and they're going to be in Columbia, Missouri. Um, we'll do different events at different venues. We're going to be using Hickman High School uh, as well as the Mizzou campus, um, the rec center, and their dorms and dining halls um, as well. So we have four different sports that we offer for our athletes at summer games. We have volleyball, powerlifting, athletics, which is what we call track and field, uh, and swimming. So those are the four events. Um, we also offer a dance and bingo on Saturday evening. And we do an opening ceremony with entertainment and guest speakers on Friday night as well. Okay, perfect. And Abby, we'll bring you in here for this one. So you are a athlete with Special Olympics Missouri. What event will you be competing in? And how long have you been with Special Olympics Missouri? Swimming and three years. Great, swimming in three years. So I, I guess, Abby, to get you to expand on it a little bit, so what yeah. exactly is, uh, what makes it so special for you to be a part of Special Olympics Missouri, I guess, is like, why do you do it? Because um, my mom, Woody, of course, she said, well, I was having a really hard time back in 2017, and she decided to, Schaefer, Susan Schaefer said, how about you get Abby signed up for Special Olympics? And I said, okay. And that changed my life. Like, it changed my life. I was getting better at it. I was getting the people I love and the people I care about. And I, I'm i so happy to be at Special Olympics. Um, there's a camp coming up, Gary Weimer, and I'm so excited to be there on June 18th through the 23rd, 23rd and it's just it's a magical it's magical for Special Olympics and I really love it like all my friends are here all my uh, parents coaches you know you name it even my boyfriend so well, that's fantastic to hear, Abby. And for anyone who's just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Special Olympics Missouri athlete Abby Bax and also the director of sports competition and statewide training, Luke Lamb, to discuss the 2023 Summer Olympic Missouri State Summer Games that will be in Columbia June 2nd through the 4th. Luke, I, I guess I'll turn this one over to you now. And that's, 
I know that's for the state summer games. One of the great things about it is that SOMO offers so many different volunteer opportunities. So for anyone out there that's maybe looking to get involved or anything like that, what, what are the processes that they have to go through in order to become a volunteer with SOMO? Yeah, so our events simply don't happen without a lot of volunteers. Um, we rely heavily on volunteers. Um, so there's several ways you can do that. You can sign up ahead of time. We're back on Show Me Today. I'm your host, Bill Pollock. The Special Olympics Missouri State Summer Games in Columbia, June 2nd and 4th. Cameron Connor had a chance to catch up with statewide trainer Luke Lamb and SOMO athlete Abby Bax. You can go to our website, uh, which is SOMO.org, S-O-M-O.org, um, and just look for the volunteer okay. tab or get involved, get involved tab. Um, and there's steps listed there how you can sign up for specific events. Um, also, we take walk-up walk uh, volunteers the day of the event. If, if someone finds themselves in the area and looking for something to do, we, we can always use help, and they can just uh, register that day on-site to volunteer. But volunteering opportunities include helping with awards um, to keeping score, um, being a, a, an escort for our athletes from the competition area to the awards area, helping with lunches, um, lots of different opportunities for, for volunteers to help. Uh, and I always say if, if you've never been involved with Special Olympics at all, um, even if you just come to watch, that's great. But if you can, if you can volunteer, you know, 90 plus percent of people that volunteer come back for more because it's just an amazing experience working with our athletes. Since I've been with SOMO, I've gotten more high fives, fist bumps, smiles, and hugs than I ever have in my entire life. It's incredibly rewarding. So come on out. Even if you just watch, we would love to have you there. I love the way that you ended that response just because of the fact that it doesn't matter who I've talked to, whether it's coaches or athletes or volunteers, everyone always has an immaculate time with Special Olympics Missouri. And I think that's highly critical to bring up. Abby, I, I want to go back to the events themselves. And this question, of course, is for you. You said that you will be swimming at the games this year, correct? Yeah. Okay, great. And if you will be swimming for this, what? Uh, take me through your process. You know, what events will you yeah. be swimming in, and you know, when did you find out that swimming was for you to compete in? Well, um, first of all, uh, I'm going to be doing the 25 freestyle and the 50 freestyle, and maybe a backstroke, um, special Olympics got everything for me. I loved it. Um, when I was a little kid, um, I had a papa built a pool, of course, and uh, they said they thought I couldn't swim because, you know, I had to stand on the ledge. But Papa, Steve, my grandpa, he actually taught me how to swim. Like, I was in the, in two months, I was swimming across the pool. Like, I didn't have a life jacket on. I just swim across the pool, and they like, "Yay, you guys, you did it, Abby! We're so happy!" And I did swimming lessons after swimming lessons, and I got very well. I did Team Missouri. Like, I went to Florida. I mastered. I was a little nervous, but I mastered the medals and the the swimming. And like, there was a big like there was a practice pool. You should have seen it. There was a practice pool. There was a big sign that says, welcome all athletes. And it was just fun. 
let's go back to Luke for this one, because one of the other really important things that happens here at Special Olympics Missouri, as far as I'm aware, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is happening. You will all be offering your your health and wellness clinics as well, correct? Yeah, that's a huge part of Special Olympics. And uh, a lot of people, when they hear Special Olympics, they just picture our athletes, you know, competing and getting medals. But we are so much more than that. We offer um, screenings to all of our athletes free of charge. And those range from uh, mental uh, health, wellness, uh, to special smiles, dental care. Um, they get can get their eyes checked, their feet checked, their hearing checked, um, and lots of volunteer doctors and partnerships with, with medical facilities to help out with that. Um, but it's just amazing to see. And story after story of of some of our athletes who have didn't know they needed glasses or they didn't know they had a hearing issue or they've gotten uh, dental work done through us, uh, referral, referrals through us to, to get their teeth taken care of. Um, so we're about the whole athlete, not just the competition, um, but the whole athlete, whole uh, health and wellness for all of our athletes. It's a huge part of what we do. Okay. And I, wh- one other thing that I'd love to follow up with, just to put it out there, what relevant websites or social medias can people follow to basically keep track with all of the great events going on at Special Missouri? And also if they want to reach back out for volunteering or just attending, anything like that. Our, our main hub is our website, somo.org, S-O-M-O.org. Um, we also have social media. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have uh, Instagram as well. All of that info is on our website as well. Uh, there's a Get Involved tab on our website, um, and you can learn about how to become a coach. You can learn how to become a chaperone, and you can learn about how to become a volunteer as well. Once again, we have been speaking with Director of Sports Competition and Statewide Training Luke Lamb and also Special Olympics Missouri athlete Abby Bax talking about the 2023 Special Olympics Missouri State Summer Games that will be happening June 2nd through 4th in Columbia. To the both of you, Abby, Luke, thank you so much for joining us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Show Me Today.